listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 61, covering Coming of Age and Heart of Glory. Hello, friends. We're back. We're finally back. We went away for a little while, but now we're here again. Yeah, that was that was rough, man. It's it's a little rough. I don't know. I we were both we were both kind of dreading, like, oh, we're still in season one. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of times we discussed, well, why don't we get a jump on this? Why don't we get a few weeks ahead? And then we, no, wait. And it's like we don't want to watch Star Trek Next Gen season one. No, it's not season two yet. It's not. Things haven't gotten better yet. We're still in the dregs. But it turns out uh, we were mistaken. This week, actually, mm-hmm. not not so bad. No, it was actually pretty shocking. Too. Yeah. These were reasonably these were, decent episodes. Maybe the first two good episodes we've seen. Yeah. Like, and we don't have to qualify that. We don't have to, well, good for season one. I mean, looking back, these aren't going to be classics. But no. they're not just good for season one. There's some good character stuff going on here. There's some good world building going on here. There's there's some stuff. A lot of Worf this week, which was actually pretty cool. Yeah, because he's kind of that been working really, in the background. And the, yeah, he's he really steps up these two episodes. Yep. Especially in the in the second one, which is mm-hmm. which is great. But uh, first, why don't we talk about the the one that we dreaded the most, which we correctly guessed was a Wesley centric episode, Coming yep. of Age. Uh huh. All right. So the Enterprise is receiving an inspection from some admiral and Niles from Frasier. Everyone's being really vague about the whole thing, and nobody's actually telling Picard about what the hell's going on. Meanwhile, Wesley's preparing for his entrance exam into Starfleet Academy, along with a handful of other hopefuls, including a methane-breathing benzite and a terrible actor girl from the terrible actor planet. <laughs> While Niles stalks the halls of the Enterprise, interviewing the crew, getting in the way, and generally causing a nuisance of himself, Wesley frets about the psychological part of the exam, wherein he will be forced to face his deepest fear, not being important on the internet years after this show is cancelled. <laughs> Uh, actually, it's apparently him trying to decide who lives and who dies, or responsibly that one Art Crow has vowed never to shirk. Back in the Enterprise, Niles finishes ex- his examination, revealing what everyone else knew all along. The Enterprise is a hell of a good ship with a loyal, devoted crew who respect one another. And then he asks his admiral if he can join in. Uh, no. No, you can't, honey. Back on the planet, Wesley discovers that no, Starfleet does not in fact want him around either, and he's been booted back to the Enterprise for another year. Damn it. And then, admiral, and then the Admiral talks to Picard about a possible conspiracy in Starfleet, which we will, I imagine, get to in a later episode called Conspiracy. Picard is offered the chance to become, de- become the dean at the Starfleet Academy, but he hasn't heard that Wesley's been accepted yet and decides to pass. Fool. <laughs> Trusty old dean. <laughs> yeah, this one's surprisingly good. Yeah! So uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us what good things uh, happened, and then also maybe bad things. Well, this doesn't come up a whole lot in this one, but I really like the idea of them sort of setting up the whole conspiracy thing. It yeah, never, there's not a lot of it, running continuity in Next Gen pretty much as a whole. So it's well, nice. no, Gene was against it, so no, I'm actually surprised was. it was in this. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I like I like the idea of them sort of foreshadowing stuff that's, that, that's going to be coming up later. That, and they call back to previous episodes. I mean, when he's doing his investigation, he's talking about, oh, well, what about this mission? What about this yeah, mission? Yeah, there's all very specific, like, well, so this happened in this episode and this happened? Well, right. yes, but you weren't there, so shut up. Yeah, like I said, these these two episodes very much with the world building, very much starting to sort of build the foundation of, yeah, we do remember what happens week to week, and stuff matters that happens now will will affect things later. Yeah. Which is very cool. I also thought this was a very, like a very decent Wesley episode. He is not hateful or smug or irritating. He acts 
pretty much like a decent, you know, 15-year-old kid who's trying to get into Starfleet yeah. and a little over his head. There, I've said my good thing about Wesley. I am now done for the year. Yeah, we, we did set ourselves that challenge that uh, you, you have to do that. I haven't actually done mine yet, I don't think. So. Ball's in your court, Al. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that ball. means. Get out of my court. All right, what about your bad thing? Uh, there's a couple of bad things in this episode. Well, not so much bad as they were dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene where uh, some kid steals a... Uh, steal- this kid that Wesley's friends with doesn't get picked to uh, go... Yeah, to I thought that itself was nice. The, the fact that, that, you know, Wesley and some other kids on the Enterprise might be sort of competing together. Yeah. And I, I almost get the feeling that this kid was probably equally qualified, but Wesley got preferential treatment because, you know, his mom oh, yeah. and the captain uh-huh. and all that. But um, there's a part where he decides, oh, fuck it, I don't even care about Starfleet Academy anymore. I'm going to join up with a freighter. And he steals a shuttle, which in itself, not difficult. Yeah. Shuttles is, get stolen from the Enterprise every week. This this is the first of many times we will see that you can just walk onto the shuttle bay and take a shuttle and mm-hmm. nobody cares. But um, my actual, my real problem is that this kid who's suppo- who apparently was very close to getting into Starfleet Academy... Apparently just takes the shuttlecraft out and crashes it almost immediately. Yeah, and as we've pointed out, I think, once or twice before, space is huge and mostly empty. Mm -hmm. It should actually be quite difficult, once you've cleared the ship, to crash it into anything. Yep, but he's out of of the ship for five seconds and is already about to crash into a planet. Yeah. Planets are big. You can steer around them. Yeah, I mean, you can see them. Like, mm-hmm. look out the window. You don't even need, like, the special sensors or, uh, you know, anything. You just, oh, well, there's a planet. Better turn just a different like, way. But, I mean, even that didn't resulted in kind of a nice scene at the end where Picard talks to him about, like, oh, you should give up and stuff. Also, don't be a douchebag and steal my shuttlecraft. <laughs> well, yeah, there was, a, there was a nice bit near the end where they're walking in the corridor and the kid sort of hastens his pace to yes, get past Picard, try, tries not to make eye contact, and Picard's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, you get back here. Oh, no, no, no. I may be wearing a dress, but I'm still going to talk <laughs> you down. I actually don't mind their, their dress uniforms, and dress literally uniforms. <laughs> um, but no, that kid, of course, was dressed sort of ridiculously. He was dressed very much the way that uh, circa 1990 Al would have liked to have dressed, <laughs> which is a goofy sort of sparkly floral print with a with a dark blazer over it, but you know. <laughs> I just imagine early 90s Al watching this episode going, that's what I want to be. That's my look. That's right the there. that's the guy. Yep. Um, but, I, and yeah, it's way, way too easy to steal a shuttle. And like I said, that'll come up again and again. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, no, it, it wasn't a bad little thing. And it was a nice, they, it feels so elementary, but really tying th- something you saw from the beginning into something that happens in the middle and then mm-hmm. tying it up at the end is something the show hasn't done a lot of. No. Like, I just assumed, as per the previous 20 episodes, we'd see Wesley's friend and he'd just walk away and we'd never see him again. So it was nice. Yep. It's just like, well, we you provided exposition. Goodbye now. Yeah. No, but then he was he was sort of the danger in Act 3 or 4 or wherever that was, and then he popped up at the yep. end. It was a nice. It was nice. Um, <laughs> I really love that moment where they're trying to rescue his shuttle, and they end up having to use a tractor beam or something. And... Um, the 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 nitpicky um, inspector guy is secretly like yes, mm-hmm. like he, there's a nice little moment where he's like trying to be stern and trying to find something wrong, but he's secretly like uh, you know all right, 
You guys are awesome. I really love the, the nitpicky inspector guy. Yeah. Like, he, he's like, he spends that entire episode being, like, the bureaucratic douchebag that you see. You, you get them in Star Trek quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And they're always, like, these assholes. Like, he spends the entire episode harassing the crew, like, trying to get them to say anything negative about Picard, and they just won't. Because, no. like, we've gotten to the point where, like, everyone respects the hell out of him. No, and it's nice because we've, we're, we're far enough into the series now where it feels like these guys have worked together long enough and they know each other and they respect mm. each other. If this had come in like episode three, I wouldn't have bought it. But now no. it's like, no, you know what? They've, they've risked their lives a few times. They've hung out together casually. Like I, I, yeah. I, this all makes sense to me now. Yeah. But, and then we get to the very end of the episode and he's talking to the Admiral. He's just like, Oh, and by the way, Admiral, uh, this ship is great. Everyone on it is really awesome. And, uh, when I'm done with you, I'd like to work here. Yeah. And I could just totally see Picard being all like, no, yeah, well, and he kind of so. rolls his eyes, actually. It's funny. <laughs> oh, no, honey. The Enterprise is the best of the best. Yeah, you, we, I'm we sure we can get you a place on the hood. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so my good thing is because you, you kind of hit on the, the big ones. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to go with kind of a minor detail, which is the Benzites. Um, they're sort of these uh, blue-gray-skinned aliens. And as you said, they, they breathe, I think, I guess, methane. Um, I think it's methane. I just, I always like, and I've, I say this over and over again, uh, I like when aliens aren't just guys with bumpy heads. I, I mean, mm -hmm. he is he is kind of wearing a mask, and he's still humanoid, but that, that's fine. Obviously, a guy has to play him, but I like that not everyone breathes oxygen and nitrogen. Some people yeah. need other different kinds of air, and he's got a little breathy thing. Yeah, and it, it, the, the little breathy thing is actually really cool, too. It's got, like, a little light behind it, and if you watch it, sort of like... There's yeah, like little a mist or a of, fog that comes out. Yeah, of I it. think they just have a little chunk of dry ice in there or something. Yeah, but it's it's very effective because it's clear something's coming out of it. It's not mm -hmm. just a you know a thing. No, I I really like that. And the guy who played him was pretty cool. I liked yep. all of except for that chick from the bad acting planet, as you said. Mm -hmm. uh, she was cute, but uh, that, that's that not enough. That was about all she had going for. Her. Yeah, and if you want eye candy, there was also a Vulcan chick who also was a good actor. So mm. look at her instead. Yeah. That that was one thing I didn't quite understand is okay it was the whole pretty much the whole time the the two chicks were not really in the running it was always between Wesley and and the Benzite mm -hmm. I I think it was arbitrary that it happened to be the dudes and not the chicks I don't think it was a sexist thing but I do mm -hmm. think the Vulcan would have been like the, the obvious the, choice yeah it seemed like the Vulcan was never even in the running no she just happened to be there and it seems like a Vulcan especially doing the first part the sciency parts would have mm -hmm. been. Uh, you know, very much keeping up with the other two, maybe even doing better. I, I feel like sometimes Vulcans aren't as perfect as the rest, you know? Like, once in a while, you're going to get a crap Vulcan. I suppose, but if they're it good enough... It doesn't happen to... often, but... But they've made it clear that you have to be good enough to get to this point. It's mm -hmm. not like this is an open audition for anyone to try out for Starfleet Academy. This is yeah. obviously, you know... You have to get through something to get to this point because yeah. Wesley beat the the douche, the, the shuttle stealing douche. Yes, shuttle douche. Yeah, uh, blazer guy. Um, <laughs> but blazer uh, guy in the twenty fourth century. <laughs> but uh, obviously, but then the other the the chick, the the one who wasn't a great actor, also like she didn't seem to be good at anything. Like all the tests would end before she had answered anything. Mm -hmm. She just seemed kind of dumb. That's just like so. Well, Wesley, I guess it must be really nice to not have to, to just know what all the answers are. I have trouble with that. Well, maybe you shouldn't be here taking tests where you're required to know the answers then. 
Why don't you just go off and be like an artist or something? That's yeah. what we do with all the dumb people in Starfleet, right? <laughs> I guess. I assume robots do all the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we even have robots working on art now, so oh, watch out, uh... humanity. <laughs> well, you know, Data's, uh, Data's working on painting, so mm-hmm. only a matter of time. Um, and my bad thing was, uh, while I appreciate that Riker's initial reaction to um, to the inspector was a bit defensive, he does come off as a bit too defensive. He he yells at the guy. He like he pretty much just like uh, he does everything short of throwing him up against the wall and saying, "Listen, this is my ship, and you don't ask I'm, any questions." I mean, I get where you're coming from, but like, flat keeping the 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 like commander of the ship out of like something that important is really kind of a dick move. No, no, no. I get his perspective. I get mm. why he was upset. I think the way he showed his, you know, he it was very unprofessional. Yeah. It was very, everyone else on the bridge was fine with it, or at least begrudgingly cooperating. Sure. And Riker was just yelling, raising his Shut voice. Shut up! And physically, like, host- like, his body language was clearly hostile. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know, it just seems like Riker's so personable otherwise. It seemed out of character to me. Because while Riker cares about his job, while while he would feel hurt that someone would question his loyalty and, and how the ship works, he's also the guy that Picard keeps there to get along with everyone. True. I would expect Picard to get angry and Riker to be the good cop. It just seems yeah, okay, strange. That, see that. That, that That's all. It just, because Riker... This whole time has been established as, you know, he's the, he's the cool guy. He's, hey, how you doing? I'm Riker. How's it going? Let me turn on the jukebox by hitting it. Yeah. Hey. hey. Exactly. Riker. So that that's all. It wasn't, you know, I, underst- I understood where he was coming from mentally. I just felt like he, he could have been less of a dick about it. Mm. So, yeah. Let's see. Uh... Great line from Worf in this. Uh, it's not my quote, but I wanted to mention it just because it's really well done. Which is that? Um, there's a the part where uh, uh, Niles is basically going through the entire bridge crew, interviewing them one after another. About oh, it's actually a nice little sequence. They do some great sort of artsy transitions where they'll cut to the guy sitting across from him, and then they'll cut to him, and then they'll cut back, and it's someone else. Mm-hmm. And that, that flowed really... like. Uh, we we pointed out that a lot of the camera angles and a lot of the editing in season one have been clumsy. This felt for the first time like a grown up was directing it, which was nice. Yeah. Like it's it's it it's a it's a really simple. Oh, it's very simple. Tri- <laughs> it's a very simple actor's trick. Yeah, but, but it works. Uh, it works really well. No, and early on they've just been doing so many goofy close ups and, and strange Up camera the nose angles and, shots yeah. and yeah, it's nice to see them doing something simple and artful and, and effective like that. Yeah. But um, no, there's this great scene where uh, where he's interviewing Worf, and you know Worf gives him like sort of a pat answer. Mm-hmm. He's not thrilled about talking to him, and yeah. the guy goes, "You don't like me very much, do you, Lieutenant Worf?" And Worf's like, "Is it required?" Yeah, <laughs> do I have to like you? <laughs> so yeah, um, back to the Wesley thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really get. Okay, so he's he's testing to be accepted at Starfleet Academy with four other people and only one of them can make it. Yeah. Is that how it works? Do they, do they narrow it down each time? Like, is it possible he'll, I mean, I know I've seen the show all the way through. I know how it turns Mm -hmm. out, but is it potentially possible that say that chick will have to keep going back over and over and over again? Because even if you're good, the other three people are better. And it seems like a really slow way to get. Yeah, it does. I mean, competition's good. Star- yeah, exactly. And it, it should be with something like Starfleet. But yeah. on the other hand, 
fucking, it's the future. Everyone's at Starfleet. Yeah, and if you all get, you know, 95% on your on your test, then you should all make it. I mean, if they made a big deal out of it being, like, they're all much younger than, um, you know, like, sort of the standard age. Like, Wesley's supposed to be younger than the cutoff date. Yeah, he's supposed to be a whiz kid, which is, yeah. I like that. You know, and he's, like, he's here because he's, A, serves on the Enterprise, so he's got the, uh, yeah. the, the foot in the door there. Yeah, a little, and, bit of, little bit of favoritism there. I mean, yeah. let's, not, let's not mince words. Even, even assuming that Wesley, you know, we don't hate Wesley and everything else, he, there is definitely a bit of favoritism because the captain of the flagship of, the, of Starfleet mm-hmm. is saying, this kid has my endorsement. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing, uh, and, and, you know, also he's supposed to be completely fucking brilliant. Yeah. But it feels like this is a really slow and tedious way of getting people into Starfleet Academy. Yeah, it absolutely does. I think from a writing standpoint, what they must have been doing was saying, we don't want to get rid of Wesley yet, but we want to show that he's on the road to mm. getting to Starfleet. They basically want their cake and eat it, too. They want to be able yeah. to have this, be able to do this episode again in a year, and they will. It just, so. I don't know, it feels like there's a better way to go about this. Yeah, I, I agree. That's And it also... This wasn't bad. No. But it, it also feels like Starfleet expects a lot out of you, even before you've had any actual training. Well, that's good. Except uh, I was watching this with Amanda, and she pointed out, well, how the hell did Barkley get through all this? That's a really good point. <laughs> Holy there are shit. Other, there are other officers we see. He's certainly not the only one. But there are no. other officers we see where there's no way I can imagine them going through this whole process. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely not. There's a, there's a great bit near the end where Picard's trying to... Um, he actually has two really good moments with kids. Which mm. kind of flies in the face of his "I'm not good with kids" thing. Yeah. Which one is with the kid who stole the shuttle? We talked about that, and the others with Wesley, where um, he says, um, "I took the exam and I failed it the first time too." And then there's this great because Patrick Stewart just sells everything he does. He says, "Don't you tell anyone that little finger wag." <laughs> like, that's just between you and me. And I almost wonder if he's lying to him just to make him feel better. I would not be surprised. No, it's a it's a great. Uh, sort of Picard as Wesley's father, yeah. or surrogate father moment. And, and you know, for all the time that we hear that Picard's bad with kids, it's it's interesting to see if he's dealing with, with you know, older kids at least, mm-hmm. teenagers who are almost adults, he's not so bad. And mm-hmm. the idea of him possibly being in charge of Starfleet Academy is not completely unreasonable because he no, can deal actually, with young adults. Yeah, I could actually see him like, handling that well really, or that uh, position really well. I could see him teaching. Like, mm-hmm. that character would make, I think, a really good teacher. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad. it's it, They're already playing, and I don't think this is bad at all, but they're already playing the, the vibe that they had with Kirk for years, which is don't, you know, and they even say this in Generations when they meet. Mm-hmm. Don't let them promote you. Stay on that, yeah. you know, stay in that chair as long as you possibly can. And for all the, you know, people say bad things about Generations, and I don't completely disagree, but that particular moment right there, mm-hmm. where that, that is the one thing that brings those two guys, like, that's the basically the only thing they have in common. Do not accept the promotion. Stay in the captain's chair as long as you can, because it's the most awesome job there is. Yeah. And that's, it's nice to see that he has that in common with Kirk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That is the only thing. Uh, that and, um, apparently... Mostly. Cooking eggs. Yes. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a few years. Yes. Uh, anything else? I think that's everything I wanted to hit on. All right. What do you got for a quote, then? My quote is, there is a absolutely awesome scene of Wesley sort of between exams, 
um, trying to get his shit together in the uh, in the holodeck, and a uh, wharf walks in on him, and they have this little scene. Benson, what are you doing on the holodeck? I thought you were still on Relva Seven. I'm finished testing for the day. I've disturbed you. I'll leave. Wait. I thought I wanted to be alone. I guess I don't. How is the testing? Okay, so far. It's not the ones that I've studied for that I'm worried about. It's the psych test. Facing my deepest fear and living through it. Trying to figure out what images to bring up. Why? I guess I want to scare myself. What do you think? Magillion rats? Lightning storms? Do those things frighten you? Sort of, I guess. The psych test is no more or less important than the rest of the process. That's what they said, but I can't stop thinking about it. Thinking about what you can't control only wastes energy and creates its own enemy. How can they know what my deepest fear is when I don't? By analyzing your psychological profile. They were very accurate about everyone I tested with. Including myself. You? I thought there was nothing that could frighten a Klingon warrior. Only fools have no fear. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. I'm asking too many personal questions. It is very difficult for me to depend on anyone for anything. Especially for my life. But on the Enterprise, you do that every day. Everyone depends on everyone else to protect them. Yes. So you overcame it? No. It is still my enemy. Yeah, that was nice. And like you said, um, you know, nice little bit of Worf. Yeah, we uh, we talked about we haven't had a whole lot of Worf so far. And especially not Worf doing cool things. It's mostly him trying to shoot holes in screens and getting right. his ass kicked. Right. Um, it's kind of neat seeing him, you know, not being, like, being Worf with Wesley. Yeah. No, and I, an I like I like in any ensemble show when you take the most unlikely pairing of characters and see how they mm-hmm. react off each other. They're not always going to like each other, but Worf and Wesley are not two characters you expect to ever even speak to one another, much less have anything in common. And it's a exactly. nice moment. Yeah. It works really well. So, all right. All right. Uh, moving on to my episode, Heart of Glory. Uh, we actually thought this was going to be... Actually, I thought this was going to be the second Klingon episode, because we did one a few weeks ago called, what was it, Code of Honor. Yes. Which, which clearly felt like a Klingon episode, but yeah. no, Heart of Glory is the first one, which also sounds like a Klingon episode. So uh, so the Enterprise is racing toward the neutral zone to possibly fight with some Romulans, despite the fact that nobody's heard from them in a long time, and despite the fact that nobody seemed to remember that a few weeks back when we were worried about attacking Romulans. The away team beams over to a freighter belonging to one of those generically named alien races like the Talarians or the Torellians or the Tarkalians and poke around. Picard uses this opportunity to test out their latest Geordi humiliation device, a camera inside his visor. Then Picard interrupts every 15 seconds to ask what he's seeing because Geordi's visor seeks all kinds of crazy shit. In the time they waste having to explain how LaForge's magic glasses work to Grandpa, the impending danger on the ship impends even faster and they're forced to hightail it out of there with the survivors. Three Klingons who are clearly not up to anything suspicious. One of these Klingons dies, which the other two use in his excuse to bond with Worf, whom they taunt by calling him an Uncle Tom and implying that he has a really smooth forehead. <laughs> this hurts Worf's feelings, or honor as Klingons call them, because his people. 
Eventually, we discover that, despite the fact that Klingons are peaceful allies in the next-gen era, we will never actually see direct evidence of this, because every Klingon we ever meet is directly or casually hostile to the Federation. The Klingons try to take over the Enterprise, Worf is torn between two cultures, and he makes his decision by shooting one of the Klingons in the face. Nice going, Worf. You're clearly in line for a promotion. If your superior officer suddenly drops dead for some reason, but that's hardly likely to happen anytime soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I quite liked this one. It was it was slow, is the it thing. It was very slow. And not even in a bad way. It was sort of one of those ponderous, moody, like, let's get some, let's take some time to get to know some characters kind of episodes, which I like. Mm. Oh, yeah, um, totally. My, uh, my good thing was just flat out, this was a great conflict for Worf. It's the first time you get to really see, and it, it was sort of a Spock situation. It was sort of a... He belongs to two worlds, but he's not really at home in either one of them, and he has to mm-hmm. make a choice kind of thing. And seeing that DC Fontana co-wrote this, well, no surprise there. Yeah. She really nailed the whole sort of outsider trying to, you know, trying to, to live among humans kind of thing. I imagine DC Fontana had a pretty rough childhood. Uh, she must have, or else she just has a good understanding of people who did. Or else she's an alien living among humans. That would be awesome. Uh, and my bad thing was, uh, here's, here's yet another example of, uh, hey, look, Jordy, you're, uh, you're handicapped. Isn't that awesome? Let's glue a camera to the side of your head. Oh, for the love of I'm looking Christ. at this big bulky thing, like, just glued onto the side of his visor. Yeah. It's like, I have a fully functioning video camera in my phone. It is this big, he said, indicating mm. a very small amount. No, but see, this thing is transmitting what his brain is receiving uh. across space to the Enterprise. I do That's like a little different than what your cell phone does. I do like the um the ex like Jordy sort of explaining how he could like they they show what he sees and it's fucking nuts. Like you no, can't make it's, out it's it's cool anything. for us the audience because we you know watching it for the first time you would wonder I wonder what it's like I wonder what mm-hmm. he sees. But on the other hand, Picard, re- I mean, it gets to the point where Riker's like, "Sir, we really need to get moving now." <laughs> no, you like, don't understand. I can see a beautiful rainbow. Reading uh, rainbow, sir. Yes, this is what I see all the time. It rocks to be me. Yeah. But it really, it does feel a bit demeaning, and it feels like, once again, because they they don't have anything really good for Jordy to do yet, mm-hmm. his main job is, I'm the blind guy with the weird eyes. And yeah. I'm glad when that kind of goes away. Yeah, he... Right now, it's that, and just sort of sitting back and being sarcastic. I like Which that I, part. I like, but that's that's character. Yes. Like, that's, that's just what he is, but... But his job should be something more important than, you know, guy with a freaky, you know, guy with magic glasses. <laughs> uh, what about you? Okay, my good thing is when the um, when the first Klingon dies, they do the uh, the uh, Klingon the traditional Klingon death cry, mm-hmm. and that scene, first of all, that scene is badass. Yeah, it is. The expl- the explanation, which I won't do here because it looks like it's your quote. It is. Uh, the explanation of what it is is also extremely cool. Yep. It's just, it's all a very neat sort of indication of, like, this is what Klingons are now. I think this is really the first time we start kind of fleshing out, these guys aren't just evil, conquering guys. Yeah. Like, we, there's, a, there's a reason these guys were sort of hostile in Kirk's time. A warrior culture would be like that. They can mm. still be likable. They can still be, you know, honorable. To, I was trying, I was fishing for a better word, but that's pretty much all there is. There's a reason honorable. they keep using it. Yeah. But there, there is a way to make them and, and, and gradually the show really built a great, you know, mm-hmm. a culture and history and all that, that, that was interesting and not just 
one-dimensional villains, but it also yeah. didn't contradict what we saw in the original series. No, it, it like it all comes together like pretty well. And yeah, and again, this a is lot sort of, of world the start of that. Too. Yeah, no, I I love it, and and Ron Moore gets a lot of the credit for building a lot of Klingon stuff later, but he definitely built on this. Like this mm-hmm. is this is the start of it. Oh, totally. And your bad and thing. My bad thing is, uh, let's see. There's a point towards the end when the Klingons get arrested and stuck mm-hmm. in the brig, and they are guarded by the two dumbest fuckers on the planet. I do like, once they figure out that the Klingons are bad and we need to go after them, Tasha brings a, a, a regiment of, like, 50 guys with her. Yeah, it's just like, we're getting two Klingons? Fuck, okay. Yeah. Or no, you, it's two, you, you, possibly you. three Klingons if Worf decides to turn on us. Yeah, and we've all, we've all like, played sports with Worf. We know how fucking aggressive he is. We better... Let's uh, get, get me all guys. Yeah, every security guy there is. Here's the thing. You may know this, and I'm sure one of the nerds listening knows this. All of security wears yellow except Worf. Why does he wear red? That's a really good question. Because I, I, I guess I knew this, but I never really noticed it until Tasha showed up. She literally had five guys. It was mm-hmm. it was six people, including Tasha, that show up. And then I'm seeing all of this yellow and then Worf. And yeah. Like, Wait a minute. He's on that same team with them. Why like he, he, he is security, right? Yeah. He works for Tasha. Yeah. So, like, what the, does he do something else that I'm not aware of? Well, I know they've had him cross-training in other departments, but I still thought his posting, like, his primary job was security. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, there's got to be, re- be a reason he's wearing command colors. I, I don't know. his boss isn't. Yeah, and when he gets promoted, he, he puts on yellow. Yeah. But I don't know. Who knows? If anyone knows out there, let us send us an email. We'll get to it in a couple of months. <laughs> if it's interesting. If there's a, if the, you know, if it takes you three paragraphs to explain it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But if the, if you could tell me in one sentence that I don't have to take a breath while I'm reading it, then uh, yeah, tell me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Um, but yeah, like I said, this this episode was kind of slow, but not in a bad way. Just in a like, because really, it takes ten fifteen minutes to reveal the Klingons, and then it takes until almost the last act for them to yeah. turn against everyone. They're just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. I the only thing I really had a problem with with was the exploring of the ship at the beginning. That. Yeah, it took way too long. Super tedious. Yeah, and it's like I knew this was a Klingon episode because I, I do. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I knew, and I was like, well, why don't we just get to it? Like, why are we wasting? When so are much we going to get to the Klingons? Exactly. And uh, for the most part, they were pretty good. Like the the makeup was good, their acting was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they one of them had a line where they referred to the humans as infidels, and I think <laughs> that might have been a step too far. A little on the nose there. Yeah, just a just a tiny bit. <laughs> the funny thing to me is whenever Worf is accused of not being Klingon enough, and this happens a lot, like every time he meets them, they're like, oh, you've been, you're too soft. You've been living around humans too long. It, it's funny because what we find out about him later as we get to know him better through this series and then into Deep Space Nine is that he is the most Klingon. Like, he overcorrects uh-huh. for having lived among humans to the point where most Klingons think he's way too into the Klingon stuff. Yeah. He meets Galron and, and all those guys, and they're like, whoa, you want to dial it back a bit? Yeah, honor, but also beer. I feel like a lot of that has to, like, a lot of that has to do with, the, like, him learning what it is to be Klingon, for, mostly probably from, like, books and stuff. Oh, yeah. He, he's, like, he didn't grow up Klingon. He grew up probably fascinated by Klingon culture. 
No, it makes it, it makes a lot of sense for his character, and especially for his origin, which we also get into in this episode. Yeah, this is the first time we we reveal that he was raised by humans. I don't think we knew that before. No, in fact, I think he hinted that he wasn't. And yeah, we kind of no. we kind of went, huh? So yeah, nice no, this is see. sort of like I've been waiting for. I I sort of keep an eye open for stuff like this just because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, just to sort of see where these guys come from, and uh, now this is the first sort of indication of where he where he came from. No, like I said, these two episodes, both together, really feel like they're starting to build a world, and it's not just, let's try to be like Star Trek. Instead, they're like, no, let's build our own thing. Mm -hmm. This is where our characters are from. This is where we're going. Let's refer to what happened before. Let's start laying some groundwork for later. Like, there's a a lot going on in these two as far as continuity stuff and and, uh, callbacks from before and payoffs for later, and there's a a lot of good stuff going on here. Yeah, absolutely. It's strange that the Klingons were seem to be hanging out in that same dark room that uh, A.G. McLipsmack was hanging out in last week, <laughs> or two weeks ago, or whenever the hell that was. That's just the dark Enterprise room, room where you go to be dramatic <laughs> and talk about Wes- either conspiracy or becoming young. Wesley hangs out there a lot. Yes. We don't uh, we don't usually see that side of him, but uh, <laughs> when, Wesley, when... why is the door locked again? Go away. <laughs> When uh, when we see the uh, the Klingon ship that comes to arrest these guys, um, it is so clearly the sh- the shot of the Klingon cruiser from the motion picture. Like it's the same angle, the camera moves the same, the same color, the same lighting. Like it's I don't know. To me, it's just painfully obvious. Like you might as well have just used the same music. Mm-hmm. It just it felt like I don't know. They could have disguised it a little better. Yeah. There's uh, also uh, when they when they encounter the. Uh the Klingon ship when, uh, like, there's a, there, a bunch of Klingons get sent out to bring these guys back because of the renegades. Right. There's a great bit with Worf sort of pleading their case. Mm-hmm. Not to let them go, but not to fucking take them back to the... Yeah, to let course. them die an honorable death, which is very Yeah, Klingon. fucking drop them somewhere where they can yeah. just, like, get killed to death. There's a, there's, a, there's a great little scene between Picard and the captain of that ship where Picard's like, uh, they, they escaped, one of our security guys is dead. And the other captain says, uh, if, if you're having trouble apprehending them, we can send help. And there's a nice little moment where Picard's like, no, we we can handle it. And it's not hostile, but it's clear. It's like kind of wounded his pride. And Yeah. Nice little moment for Patrick Stewart there. And I also feel like, like, if he had, like, if he had actually agreed to that, like, the, the Klingon captain would have just looked at him like a puss. Yeah. It's just like, you know, we can give you guys, but... If you take guys, then you suck. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, I know you humans might need help, but, you know, Picard saying he doesn't probably earns him a bit of respect in the Oh, totally. And he probably knows that. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a scene where the uh, the two Klingon guys have, have clearly declared their intentions, and Worf's sort of in the middle, and he, you don't know if he's going to go to them or, or what. And then a kid comes off the turbo lift and runs toward the Klingon, and you think, oh, God, you know, he's going to take a hostage. Okay, Tasha and her security guys are there. Mm. All of this is happening on one deck, deck 10, let's say. I don't think it is, but for the hell, for the sake of argument, let's say that. Right. Shouldn't she tell the ship security situation on deck 10, lock the turbo lift so that a child doesn't walk out? You would think so, wouldn't you? Knowing what I know about the ship and knowing how the technology is supposed to work, it seems not hard to tell the ship not to let civilians wander on to this tense situation. Yeah. Like, yet, come on. Yeah. Speaking of the way the ship works, this is the first time we've seen the replicator. That was cool. The Klingons ordered Klingon oh, food. it was, too. Yeah. 
Because I've been we we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, I don't think the replicators exist no. yet. And I was I was thinking, maybe, okay, maybe my little no prize, you know, explanation could be, okay, well, between seasons they go to a starbase and they get replicators. Maybe it happened no. when the binar thing happened. Like maybe that's when they got the replicators. Oh, I, yeah, that, I could totally see that because they were getting refit at that point. Now you have replicators now. Yep. You can have food. You can have cheeseburger. <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it as far as I got. Though any anything mm-hmm. anything from you? Um, I think that's everything I wanted to hit on. Oh, I love uh, the the other Klingon, the one with the mustache. Uh huh. Kind of a weird actor. Like he has a very strange way of speaking. Um, but they're talking. They're they're flat out lying to Picard when they first run into him about how they got attacked by uh, by Ferengi. Oh yeah, we overpowered the Ferengi. Yeah, but there's a great line where it's just like, as far as adversaries go, they were not very good. <laughs> well, it's it's a more convincing lie when you <laughs> when you're accurate about mm-hmm. it, because he's not just, wrong. I no, yeah. here we go. As adversaries, the the Ferengi are not very worthy. Yeah. No, and I like at the beginning. They're like, well, we're going into the neutral zone. Could be Romulans, and someone else like, could be Ferengi. And <laughs> you almost get the. Vi- <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess. Okay, whatever. <laughs> sure. They're really they're really cock teasing us with the whole Romulans thing. You notice that? Well, at first, like I like I said in my summary, at first is like they were just like, "Yep, Romulans, they're out here. We're they're still around. Remember, remember them." But now they're start again starting the world building because there's an episode. I think it's the season one finale where the yeah, Romulans it is, are uh, back. The neutral zone. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to. And in it's a like weeks. a huge deal. Yeah, and. What's weird is they do that same thing in the original series when uh, Kirk meets them. It's the first time in like a hundred years. Yep. And now it's like the first time in a hundred years. Like they, they, I guess they go away a lot. Mm-hmm. Just so, fuck off. I guess. I don't know. They're they're moody. Fine, we're going <laughs> the, away the, forever. The Romulans are the Willy Wonkas of the Starfleet or of the Star <laughs> Trek universe. They close their doors every few hundred years. They're opening the neutral zone back up. <laughs> I've got a golden itch. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, uh, my quote is, uh, yeah, as you said, they, they give this great, very Klingon, very cool explanation of why they, uh, why they howl like a dog when one of them dies. Mm-hmm. I believe, sir, that was the first time outsiders have witnessed the Klingon death ritual. I can understand them looking at the dying man's eyes, but the howling? It was a warning. To whom? They are warning the dead, sir. Beware. A Klingon warrior is about to arrive. Which is just fantastic. I always I always love sort of when we get into when we get into how badass Klingon religion is. Yeah, their whole mythology. I don't really think it's religion so much as mythology. I think the Yeah, that's is, probably a better name for it. Um Because they're not exactly of, spiritual. They talk about how they killed their gods. Yeah, no. There's a there's a moment in DS9 where they talk to they talk to Worf about it, and he's all like, "Yes, we we killed our gods. We found them more trouble than they were worth." Yep. I'm like, that's pretty awesome, Worf. That, that's you're pretty, all right. Pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as my idea of Klingons goes, that's, that's yep. pretty fantastic. So, yeah, so surprisingly good week. We really thought coming back. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. This is this is gonna be this is gonna hurt. This is but, exactly what we needed to get, to come back. Yeah. Now, I mean, not not all of them are going to be great, of course, and that's no, fine. But, but uh, I'm definitely feeling better about the whole thing. 
yeah, I feel like this is the show we sign on for, not the the horrible show we've had to watch the last few weeks. Yeah, because there's there's definitely a difference between uh, some of like the the awful um, uh, Horda ripoff we got a few weeks ago, and you know actual next gen. Mm. Um, and and I know we have some good ones coming up. Uh, Tasha, as I hinted at, is not long for this world. And the Romulans are coming back, like we said. We'll get a payoff mm. to this whole conspiracy thing. So, you know, some stuff's finally starting to move forward. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. So, look forward to that. Yes. And um, I know we don't we don't mention this often. I wanted to point this out um, with our first show back. Uh, if you ever want to send us email, we will be happy to hear from you. Um, mm-hmm. The same email address applies to the show as uh, with Sarcastic Voyage. It is podcast at algar.com. Yeah, just um, right in the, uh, like, in the in the message thing. Well, we can usually Atomic figure it out. What it, uh, we'll yeah. read it. We'll, okay, Star Trek thing. And we just mm-hmm. tag it, post-atomic horror. Uh, I, we don't often answer mail like we're... I, what I don't want to do is, you know, do it every week. I kind of, I feel like we should mostly be reviewing. And then every now and then, when we get enough mail, we'll we'll answer it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if, if you want. Or we have a voicemail. It is 206-973-3982. Please Again, call it. Yeah, it, it would be nice. We we pay for it. It'd be nice mm. to use it. Um, and that's it. We will be back next week with two more episodes. So, we Matt, indeed. say your thing. Yeah, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright twenty twelve. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.